at the end of the day, like people are are going to care about themselves the most. Like that's that's natural. And you know, agents on this team are, are hungry and they want to make money. And if they see a way to make more money somewhere else, or they feel like you're taking too much, they're going to leave, even if they don't don't see the value or they don't like. They could take all your stuff and leave, right? There, a lot of people have done that. And so you just have to you have to protect yourself um, because again, you're going to have agents cycling through cycling through your team like a like a dang Wendy's. So uh, <laughs> it's it's crazy. So the question is this, how do most agents succeed in today's competitive real estate market when all the successful agents are keeping the secrets to themselves? So that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. I interview agents from all over the world. I ask them their tactics, and they share all of their secrets with me so we can give them to the world. I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Welcome back to the Real Estate Rockstars podcast. I'm Shelby Johnson, and I'm here with today's guest and my longtime friend, Craig Curlop. Craig, yo, welcome. Shelby, well, thank you so much. I almost said welcome to you like I'm like you're on my show. <laughs> but thank you. And it's still it's still catching me off guard when you say Shelby Johnson. I, I, I know that you got married, but I forgot that you changed your name. Oh my God. It actually ca- catches me off guard every day as well. Uh, yeah. And I've only changed like half of my things. So like I'm half Osborne and half John. It's a whole thing. It's fine. Yeah, half Osborne, half John. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yep. Um, but before we jump in, listeners, this one is for you if you are a team leader or an aspiring team leader. Um, and just some quick stats on Craig. Most of you guys, if you do know him, um, know him as the five guy. And he's like the weirdo dude who lived in a in the basement behind a curtain to get financially free <laughs> in the best way. Um, that was back in his bigger pockets days. And then he got out of the bigger pockets debut to life and pursued real estate full-time as an agent and an investor. So Craig, currently, this is years later, this is four years later, um, he's in the Colorado, Idaho, Washington, California markets. He is a team leader up to 17 agents now. And last year they closed 128 deals. Um, And if we had him on stage talking about the one part of his business that he has most on lock, it possibly could be real estate agent, team systems and accountability. So we're doing it today. Let's do it. I'm super excited. <laughs> okay, um, Craig. So that was such a such a long winded intro. Um, I since the focus today is on teams, can you like take us back to? I know you got out of bigger pockets and you did the solo agent thing. Can you take us through like the first year and into team life? Yeah. So you know, I think I have a little bit of a different story than most people when just starting out. You know, I had written for the Bigger Pockets blog for about two years. And that basically turned into me getting a book deal with Bigger Pockets, the house hacking strategy. And so I, I wrote that book, went on a bunch of podcasts, and on all those podcasts, I would tell people, hey, I'm a real estate agent in Denver and I'm an investor friendly agent, which was not as popular as it is back then. And so everyone was kind of just coming to me to be an investor friendly agent. And I ended up doing over 100 deals in my first year. And I was just like totally burnt out. I'm sure you can imagine doing 100 deals in one year by yourself. And I was like, okay, I can either quit or I can start a team and help basically infinitely more people out. And of course, 2020 was like the year when everyone was buying and, you know, the market works in my favor and all that kind of stuff. And so I, you know, so basically towards the end of 2020, I hired my first agent and started giving him some of my clients and he wasn't doing as good as me. 
yada, yada, yada. So I actually ended up being like, no, nah, I'm just going to do this myself. Like no one can do it as good as me. And so I, I retracted and I took back a lot of the leads. Um, and I did that two or three times because I would like give, like let go a little bit and then like take it back because I was so afraid to let go. And then I just realized like, look, when you transition from being a single agent to a team and you start training people that are not as experienced as you, you're going to lose some leads that you would have otherwise gotten. And so you need to realize that and factor that in as part of your, you know, as part of your costs of starting a team. But eventually those agents will, will hopefully become better than you and you can have 10, 15, 20 of them all doing hopefully 20, 30 deals a year and you're able to actually grow and, uh, and actually just focus on the business rather than working in the business. Okay, dude, totally makes sense. Question though, so looking back now, having also had a team, there are days when I wonder, what if I didn't do a team? What if I just hired more you know, leverage and maybe referred out the business I didn't want? So was there ever that consideration or like why a team? It's funny enough, I had somebody in uh, some part of this group called GoBundance. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. I know there's a bunch of people on GoBundance that have been on these calls. Julie, uh, Shelby, you're in GoBundance or were in GoBundance or something. Anyway, um, so I was talking to <laughs> I was talking to a guy in GoBundance and he had just got out of production and I was just about to scale my team. And he's like, you know what I would, he's basically said exactly. He's like, you know what I would do if I were you? I would not do a team, suck it up for two or more years, keep making the same money that I was making as a single agent by myself and then just coast and be good. And that advice isn't horrible advice, honestly. Like, I know, like if you, if you can kind of take that bite of humble pie and think about what you actually want, like if you just want financial independence and if you're doing 40, 50, 60, 80, 100 deals a year and you know, you're making 500 grand a year. I mean, I think I, I made almost a million that year, um, that first year being a real estate agent. And like, if your goal is to retire with three to 5 million, do that for a couple of years. It'll be way easier than building a team, right? Just suck it up and, and build it, grow your business, refer out what you, what you don't want to do. If you do want to build a team, right? And so I, I have to admit, I was like 27 at the time. I was really hungry. And, and also, Shelby, we had a conversation and, you know, like you kind of convinced me too, to, uh, to really start a team because then I could basically potentially still have this income source, but not have to do nearly as much work. And that was really what got me thinking about building the team. It's so funny. Um, yeah, because I, I debate that now when I talk to people and they're like, I want to start a team. I'm like, I always have that conversation of like, do you really? Because teams can be absolutely amazing, um, but they can also be, I love what you said about humble pie, where it's like, is, is the team just because of the ego or is it because of whatever other reasons you have? So um, yeah, dude, funny that we're having this conversation, which I love. But okay, let's, so, so, 100 deals your first year is absolutely insane, by the way. That's a whole nother conversation for another day. <laughs> um, but then you went through this transition of hiring an agent and whatever, whatever. So can you can you get us past that through maybe the next stage of team building? Yeah. And so and so then I had um, a couple other people that were clients of mine become real estate agents. And they asked if they, you know, if they wanted to work together, if they could help out, if they could join the team. And I was like, yeah, we're you can be an agent on our team and I'll give you leads and we'll split the, you know, we'll split them 50, 50. If, if I do the deal, uh, 70, 30, if you do it, um, if you bring in the lead and, and these were brand new agents, right? 
and so we kind of started that way and I, we were, I was bringing in quite a few deals. You know, these guys were doing two, three, four deals a month each because, because of like the, the production that, that I was doing before and they were very happy, right? Of course they were. Um, and, but they, but that's the thing is like, they took a risk. They were like my first agents. And so they definitely benefited the most. They're now not even on the team anymore. They're all on their own, doing their own thing as traditional real estate agents. They're still in like, we call it the five team family, which is just the EXP downline. And yeah, and they're all crushing it. And so that's kind of where it all started. Like, it was all trial by fire, right? Like I had no idea what I was doing. Do we ever? <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so let's say, take us back to what you did in order to build out more of the structure that exists <laughs> in the team. Because in the beginning, it's like, you don't know what you're doing. You're closing all these deals and you get some buyer's agents and you just sling at them. Um, but how did you build the foundation and structure? And, and that can be whether systems or that can be hires and lanes, whatever you want to, wherever you want to go. Yeah. So the, my first hire was an assistant um, and, and she was just basically doing my email and my calendar. And then she was actually really good. So then she started like actually doing more of the back end stuff, like building systems, documentation, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and that was, that, that was an amazing hire. And, uh, and it was probably, you know, so we're kind of getting into 2021 now, um, when we, when I started to get four five, six agents or so. Um, and at that time it, you know, the main thing that kept us together was we had our twice a week, we called them powwows, um, where they're just team meetings every Tuesday and Thursday, 9am mountain time. And, you know, on Tuesdays we do like brags and struggles. Um, we'll bring in a case study. Like we might, I think Shelby, we probably had you on the call at one point. If not, we definitely should. Um, but you know, we'll bring in agents from different markets. We'll bring in appraisers, lawyers, whatever, something to help their business, move their business forward. We'll do a little bit of a market pulse. Uh, so we have most up-to-date information on the market that we're in. And, um, and then Thursday's accountability. It's all accountability. And so like those meetings kind of bring us together and that kind of creates a structure overall for the team. Cause like, this is EXP, right? We're a, we're a remote online brokerage. And so we don't have a place to go meet in person. And then where we meet in person every, pretty much every week, someone on our team is throwing a meetup and we have one big five team meetup every month. And so people are meeting in person about once a week to at least every, every month. And then at the very, very least, once a quarter, we have our quarterly retreats where we do training and all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of where the team gets together. That's like the foundation. And then from there is when we actually started building in systems to support the team. And that when someone comes in, there's like a clear process that they go through to, to then go forward and get started. Okay. So in the beginning, there was the one hire and that was a personal assistant to you that developed into, it sounds like ops. So she followed you around and took the things that you were doing naturally to close these 100 deals and committed them to paper and to mm -hmm. processes. So that way you could file them. And as agents joined the team, I assume she was the one who was helping them get set up with these processes. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, so we had everything documented, right? We had everything documented. Shelby, we, we had it in a Trello board. You gave us your Trello board and we kind of like adopted it uh, for for us. And uh, so now we have a very like robust built out Trello board that's exactly catered to our team that, hey, like whatever the agent needs, like whatever the agent needs, it is in the Trello board. Like, how do you set up a showing? How do you write a contract? What do you, how do you make a contract better, like sweeter? How do you have that conversation with a client or the agent or going over an inspection port? Like you name it, every single part of our process is documented with a Loom video and a worksheet. 
to have all of the client to, to have everybody kind of go through and um, and make sure they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, I feel like that's so important, and it's really easy. You know, when you're on a podcast, it's really easy to jump over all of that stuff and go to the cool part. Like, what are you doing at the retreats? Like, what? But like, probably the foundation of building out a team would be to standardize and think through what each one of those agents who's onboarding needs every single time, commit that to a process and then have someone oversee that process. Because now these agents are joining your team and they have, you've already thought through what they need ahead of time and you have a system to plug them into and then they can choose their own destiny. So whether they do it or not, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as I'm listening to this, like I'm, I'm tired. I'm like, oh my God, Craig, you just said that you are document. You like, you have like everything documented either on paper and a loom video. Like how, obviously that wasn't immediate, right? How long would you say has that taken to build out? Um, I mean, it was one of the first things that we did kind of originally, like, again, like find somebody who's an agent that, you know, that's willing to share, like Shelby and I are great friends and you were amazing and, and shared your stuff with me. And I, like, I took your template and I, and I not only like, is the template good? Like, honestly, I probably changed every document that you had on there, every card that you had, but you told me what to put on there. That was the most important thing, right? Cause there would have been so much stuff that I would have missed. And then as you're going through the process with a buyer, just document everything. Like I literally would only, I would, my, my loom videos are of contracts of clients that I actually am writing contracts for. And funny enough, one of those, one of those clients became an agent on the team. And so now he watches the video of me writing a contract for him. Right. Uh, and he thought that was hilarious, but like, uh, that's exactly what it is. It's just, I just document the process as I go. Um, and so at every single point in time, right, like every part of, I can't, I can't say it enough. Like every part of the process of a buyer's agent, of a seller's agent is all documented in there. There, there shouldn't be any questions that any of our agents have on like the typical, like, you know, day to day stuff of being an agent. And then we have a third Trello board, which is our agent resources. And so, you know, we've got, uh, you know, leases, right? We've got, um, like, you know, what, what the rates are in different areas for rent by the room and for short-term rental and medium-term rental. We've got the short-term rental regulations by neighborhood, right? We, we just provide tons and tons of resources for our clients and for our agents to use as well. It's something you just said about you just documented the <laughs> offer that you were writing for an actual client. And that's something too, like hypothetically, uh, an agent is sitting here and they're like, I want to start a team, but holy that sounds super overwhelming, like what everything that he just listed. And but if you commit to the process of documenting as you go and not adding extra, but instead document what you already do, then it can be a little bit easier to to swallow. And with that, I guess my question for the, the resources one is that like you've trained yourself that whenever you run into a problem or solve something, you just file it and then let the team know. Okay. So two things. Uh, one thing on the, on the documentation thing, if you think you're going to do it again, document it. That's my whole problem. My whole thought mm -hmm. is like, if it's a repetitive thing, just document it because you'll eventually be able to hire it out for someone else to do it. Um, number two, on the resources side of things, uh, it's a little bit more organized than that. Like we're not just going to like put anything in, in the resources folder because then it gets clustered and, and then, then no one uses it. Uh, but we try to keep it pretty organized by like, okay, what are some things that we give buyers before we get the exclusive right to buy signed, right? Just to show value. What do we give them after the exclusive right to buy is signed? And then what do we give them after closing? 
And so um, I think we have it in like, yeah, that's basically, that's basically the three categories. Um, and so like the before closing stuff is just super general stuff on, 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 on the market. Um, honestly, I don't even remember off the top of my head, but there's probably like five or six things in there. Um, and then in the before, after we get the ERB signed, that's when we're, uh, give them our preferred vendors list. We'll give them um, a bunch of different other things that like, okay, now you're probably trying to get quotes for, for rehab and stuff like that while you're under contract. And then after close is when, is when you get the leases, um, our templated listings, all that kind of stuff. And so basically we can coach, um, mind you, I'm an investor friendly real estate team, right? I think, I don't know if we went over that, but um, we're coaching our clients through that whole process and I'm enabling my agents to do that by giving them all the resources they need to do so. You guys are like worth all, yeah. Some people like about, you know, real estate agents and commissions and stuff like that. But if you're not only helping them close a deal, but you're also coaching them on how to be an investor, like dude, that's really cool. Um, and I also love, I love how you said, you don't add everything because it gets clustered and then no one uses it. And that is a mistake I made for years where I was like, more is better, more is better, more is better in regard to information. And now like my whole theme of my life is like less is more, like what is necessary to know? Because brains, you can only didn't take so much information. Mm -hmm. And if not, you'll just be like, stop. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I mean, if, if, if an agent asks for something, um, you know, we'll usually make it for them and we'll, 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 and we'll put it in like a repository and it'll be kind of in like a, like a repository folder though. And it's not really like super accessible. I mean, it is if they wanted to go dig through it, but it'd be very messy. And so that way, if anybody does specifically ask for that one thing again, you know, our, our ops person can just go and send it to them and it's easy peasy. Dude, totally. And okay, so at this point we have, we've talked through the one ops um, and we have an idea of, you know, the Trello is the onboarding system, which I love Trello too, because it's free. Cause a lot of times the other thing that people think with teams is like expenses. And if they don't think expenses, then they probably should. But we'll get into that in just a second. Um, I'm curious about additional leverage. Cause we mentioned ops. Who else do you have in your, on your bench in your roster who's helping behind the scenes? Okay. So, um, right. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to stick it. I'm going to stick to chronologically, right. Cause I think th there'll be a story here that I definitely want to tell. Uh, and so, you know, right now if we're kind of in 2021, the team is about a year old. We have, uh, the ops person and we've got, uh, our VA Joel, who's still with us today. Uh, and so, so now Joel, who is the VA, he's now doing email, doing the, um, calendar and kind of all of that VA type stuff. And, Elise, I'm just gonna call him by name. Elise, who is our ops person, she is doing all the back end stuff, right? Like now, all I am doing is, you know, trying to attract agents, get agents on the team, and, and try to get clients in and give them out to our agents, right? That was basically my sole purpose, uh, starting kind of towards the middle of 2021, all the way through the end of 2022, um, and in that time. It was, it was, that was just, it. it was like me, Joel and Elise forever. Right. And we were just going, 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 going. And then, yeah. Is there anything you want me to add there or any questions you've got? No, I'm, I'm no. taking notes if I do have questions, so I won't forget. <laughs> okay. Um, and so, so in that time, right, it's kind of a longer time, like 2021, oh. 2022 is about 12 months. Yeah. I'm so sorry. TC. Yes. No. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Sorry. TC was like the first person I hired, even when I was an agent by myself. Um, a, a TC is a transaction coordinator. Uh, and She's amazing. Yeah, I, I've had her from from the beginning. She instrumental part of the team. 
So, and I, uh, real quick, real quick mention on the transaction coordinator stuff. A lot of people tend to want to salary their TCs. Um, I, that for me, that was a big mistake. Um, cause the, basically the way we salaried her was we had to do like 10 or 11 deals a month to get it done. And in the course of a year, it might've been worth it, but like things started to slow down a little bit and, and it got extremely stressful. So now I'm all about just to like pay them when they're due and only get paid, only pay them when you get paid. And so, yeah, 2020, so back to 2021, right? It's, it's the TC, uh, the TC is not like our own TC. Like she has other clients, um, but we're probably her biggest. We've got the ops person, Elise, and we've got the VA, Joel. And so now we're kind of like rolling on all cylinders right now. Like the team is growing. It's been fun. Everything is good and dandy. And then, uh, you know, something kind of happens, right? The market towards the end of 2022 really starts to slow down, right? Um, and I didn't really, but we still had like a really good cash position. And so what did I do? I hired two more people. I hired a marketing person and I hired a CRM person. And so basically the marketing person was gonna do all things marketing, right? Think like um, graphics, think um, like all, all things marketing, you get it. Um, and then the CRM person was gonna do all things CRM. Like, so she was gonna make sure all the agents had, ta all the leads had tasks associated with them. The leads are being followed up on. If they weren't, she would be reaching out and she would basically just be like our, our team farmer. And so before I know it, by like the end of 2022, I had like 20 or $30,000 a month just in payroll expenses because I had like three or four people on the payroll. Um, and, and the market was insanely slow at the end of 2022, early 2023 as interest rates were rising and all of that. And I thought like, oh, everyone else is slowing down. I'm going to like invest in like, you know, zig when other people are zagging and I'm going to play chess when other people are playing checkers, right? Like that was kind of my thought. And it totally bit me in the butt, right? Because just deals were not getting done. People were afraid. And I had, I almost had, I kind of had a meltdown in like Q1 of 2023, uh, where it was just like, what do I do? Right? Like, do I fire these people? Like they didn't do anything wrong. Right. And so I went through all of the, all of the options of, do I fire the CRM person and keep the original ops person while um, while firing the marketing person, etc., And so I, I, all the options, I talked to a bunch of different people, Shelby, you were one of them. Uh, and basically what I ended up doing was slashing my expenses by like probably 50 or 60% by just removing everybody except one person. Uh, and that one person was my last hire, the marketing person, because I frankly way overpaid my ops person like way overpaid her and she wasn't doing anything. I was literally looking on her calendar, like, you know, I mean, she was, she was doing the system stuff. She was doing the bare minimum, but I would see that she was going to get a massage from like 11 to one midday and then going to the gym from two to four, you know? And it's just like, if I'm going to be paying you this money, like I need you for 40 hours. And if you don't got stuff to do, like you got to let me know. Or like, I got I to gotta find more stuff for you to do. And she just didn't have, she, 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 she was amazing to get us from the ground to where we were at, but she was not going to help us scale. Whereas the marketing person was super excited, really amped, ready to go. And she felt like she was kind of being constrained. And so I basically like ripped the net off her. She's like now this beautiful 
you know, not the net cocoon off her. And now she's this beautiful butterfly. And, um, and now that the team is flourishing and, and doing really well. Dude, that's okay. Um, so many things to say. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I unloaded no, on oh, you there. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. Um, I loved it. So I love what you said about the overhead, because that's another conversation that like, if you're listening and you're starting a team overhead can be, um, crippling as a team leader, especially like, it doesn't actually matter if you're an established team or not, because like Craig said, you know, you, Craig, you were doing, like you were growing consistently and then there was a shift in the market and that overhead will get you. Um, it, it got me too, personally. I was in the same place. I had about $34,000 in, in monthly overhead and was in a market where um, the average sales price was $165,000. <laughs> and we were slinging a lot of deals, but it's just like the amount of volume that you have to do in order to support. And I was like, wow, am I? did I build a team so that way I could slave to pay someone else's like salary? Like, is oh that- Oh my gosh. Yeah. D you know what yeah, I mean? That's that's exactly what I was saying. I was like, like I would, we would make, we'd make money and I'd be like, oh, that goes to her salary, you know, or oh, that goes to his salary. And I was like, I'm working my butt off and I'm losing money every single month. Like that doesn't make sense, totally. you know? And so it was only a matter of time, but that's the thing, right? Is that for a few months there, right? Like things were fine because like you need that hurt. Right. Otherwise, I would never have made that change. Like, if things were good and we were still, you know, it was still the summer of 2021 and, and, you know, everything was going fine and dandy, then I could have support $20,000, $30,000, no problem. And I would never have, I would never have thought twice about it. But now we're probably closer to ten to $15,000 a month. And now I know when the market does start booming again, that I'm going to keep it that way. Right. Cause I lost a whole bunch of money. Right. Um, just because like people tell me, like you hear it all the time you know, the, the who, not how, and the hire it out, hire it out, hire it out. But also I, I, I lost, I lost the thought that like how I didn't know how much one person could do. Right. I had three people doing one person's job. And so, yeah, that was probably my biggest lesson learned and something that I would recommend if you're going to start a team, just like, don't be afraid to go slow and, and be very, very, very slow to hire and very, very quick to fire. 100%. I thought the same thing. And um, as you know, I, I don't have the traditional team model anymore. I just have like, you know, the EXP model. But I have thought about it because I'm moving to Washington. You know, I'm moving to Washington next year. Yeah. Close to us. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, dude, what if I go there? You know, having lived by the pain that you just talked about, like the beautiful pain that taught me these really hard lessons that now I know so deeply, like within my soul. Now I'm like, maybe it's time to do it again. But that's a whole other conversation for another day. I want to go back to, you mentioned you have $15,000 in overhead now, and I know you have the, the marketing. What is your, what does that break down to? So we've got two like basically full-time employees. We've got the marketing person and we've got um, the VA. That's probably seven or 8,000 of it. And then there's just like, you know, CRM, like maybe a thousand bucks a month. Um, we'll pay for some leads. Um, you know, we pay for some bigger pockets leads. We'll pay for some PPC leads. It's probably another two or $3,000 a month. Uh, then, then just like the miscellaneous subscriptions and stuff you've got that probably adds up to another thousand or two. Uh, what CRM do you use? Uh, we use Sierra. Sierra. I don't know. Sierra it. Can Interactive. You tell me, do you like it? 
Oh, we love it. It is going to be the last CRM we've used. Uh, we cycled through, we started with KV Core, which if you start a team, good luck, that will not last you long. Um, then we went to Boomtown, which was actually pretty expensive, but had a lot of quirks. And and honestly, our, our, our team, I thought it, was, it wasn't horrible, but our team, it was such a bad taste in our mouth with our team that ultimately as team leader, like my my job is is to serve my my agents right like whatever the agents like every quarter we ask for feedback and the next quarter that's what we do that's our task for the quarter is is doing whatever the agents want and and boomtown had all the agents had such a bad taste in their mouth from boomtown we just had to switch because like even if something went wrong that wasn't boomtown's fault it was boomtown's fault and so we switched to sierra and actually sierra is a hundred times better in my mind um, it, it's great for a team because you can very easily, you know, allocate weights to different teammates based on their performance. And so we have this thing called the agent performance tracker where it tracks like, Hey, are you attending our meetings? Are you hitting your speed to lead? Are you doing your follow-up? Um, you know, all, and you know, are you throwing a meetup? Are you attending meetups? Are you interacting in our Slack group? Like all these things, there's probably six or seven things bundled together into one tracker and that gives them a score at the end of each month. And based on that score, will change their weights on their leads. And so whoever does those things has the highest leads. And so if you have like, you know, we've got two agents that get 15, 20% of the leads out of like 15 agents because they do the most. Dude, you, that's brilliant. Who manages the agent performance tracker? Where does that um, Joel, live also? Our, so it's an Excel. It's just an Excel spreadsheet. Um, and it's Joel. So Joel's our VA and, uh, he's, he's amazing. Like I honestly like, can't even tell you how great he is. Like he's not even like, he's a VA. We pay him a little more than a typical VA, but he's like, wait, he's like a regular employee. And he, yeah. So he, he, he updates that every month. Uh, he goes in and then updates the weights in Sierra every month. So then, you know, it's all updated and, and leads are getting properly distributed. Dude, I think that's so powerful that you have someone who's like behind the scenes who's monitoring because I'm mm -hmm. loving this idea. But now, you know, having lived through my team experience, the first thing I think when I think when someone brings me an idea that I like, it's who's going to do it. Because mm -hmm. for years, this is what happened to me, at least, where everyone on the team would have amazing ideas and I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. And then I turn around and it's me left. And I'm the one who's doing it. And I know that that's my own fault <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yep. Um, but I was, so that's so cool that you have someone who's like already in place, who's monitoring Slack and engagement and all of these things and can track and then it automatically feeds Sierra. Like that's all of this is genius. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and having those people, right. So like Julie, uh, sorry, she's the marketing person. Now I'm just talking to names. So it's easier for me. Um, so Julie, who's the marketing person, she like any, anything, any ideas that happen, like I am not the first to do them. Like I will have the idea and I'll say, Julie, is this something that you can do? And then she's like, Oh, I don't know. This is the priorities. I'll either say, okay, yeah, this is high priority. Um, or, or not. And if Julie can't do it, I'll see if Joel can do it. And then in very rare instances, well, I'll actually do anything like that. And so I think that's really important too, is to like leverage your team um, and like show them, I mean, show them support and show them love and like let them have ideas. Like Julie has had so many good ideas that we've been implementing like night and day. And so, and that's, that's what you want in an employee. Dude, you totally do. That feedback is key, not just for you to know what your people want, for them to feel comfortable bringing ideas to them, but also for the buy-in. 
So it's like, mm -hmm. if they present an idea and it's an idea that you can make happen, now they've had their part in building and growing the organization and it's not Craig's team, it's our team. Yep, absolutely. That's it. Like we want them to have as much ownership in it as, as, uh, as they do. And then, yeah, I mean, one more thing too, I kind of, uh, kind of, kind of missed, uh, that is very crucial to our business is, uh, is a boot camp that we have, um, and I got this from, uh, so I did some coaching with Courtney Atkinson. He, he was, I think he was a host of this podcast at, at one point for a little bit. He's been on it for sure. And I, I, I love that man. Like he, he, he's really, really smart. And, uh, he basically gave us the idea of starting a boot camp. And so now I've got a course in Kajabi, um, that is only available to our agents and when they join the team, they go through this boot camp. There's probably like 60 or some odd videos of describing of how to actually become a real estate agent because we get so many new agents, right? And when you take that exam, you all know that you're not learning anything actually about making money. You're just learning about the dumb rules you can Google. And so this course that we have, this boot camp, is how to actually make money as a real estate agent. How do you like set up your business? How do you set up your bank accounts? How do you, you know, what are the scripts? What are the frameworks? How do you convert cold calls? How do you convert open houses? How do you convert your sphere? Like everything you need to know about becoming a real estate agent is in this boot camp. We have them go through this boot camp. It should take them, we give them about a month to do so. And, and this is kind of like a litmus test, right? It's, can they do this in a month or less? If they can do it in a month or less, I know they're motivated. I know they're ready to go. And, um, and I'm going to put some time, they're worth my time and effort. If they take two, three, four, five, six months until they start showing up, like we'll let them on the team, right? Like it cost me like 80 bucks a year or something to have an agent on the team, maybe a hundred. So it's not like a massive amount, but like, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to give them any time, any effort, anything like that. Like you got to pour into the team before I start pouring into you. And uh, I think that's really important too, is know how to say, because you need to know who to say yes and no to. And this is exactly, that was the solution for that for us. Yeah. And that's, that's something that um, we, have, I think you and I have talked about this before, where both of us have been through the pour into everyone phase mm -hmm. and how soul sucking that is because everyone wants to be a real estate agent. Everyone wants to be a real estate investor, but there's very few who are actually willing to do the work is that's required to actually be successful. They want to skip, you know, it's mm -hmm. they, they see Craig, Craig closed a hundred deals my first year. If I'm part of Craig's organization, maybe I just can just skip all of that and go straight to 100, but they didn't see the lack of sleep you probably got and the stress. Maybe you lost half your hair, like what your hair looks great, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but like you get what I'm saying and like having experienced you and I both giving to everyone and then what is left for the people who actually care is shaped into, I love the idea of a boot camp, and I have similar processes where it's like, you have to show up, you have to prove that you're willing to do what it takes before you get, before you receive the energy. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think it's tremendous. I mean, I think you need to have that. Like if you're gonna have a team, there's so many agents that are gonna waste your time and they don't mean to, right? They have right. every intent of becoming an agent, but then they realize it's kind of hard and then they, and they stop, right? Or, or they go and join the competition. And so there's also like ways that we protect ourselves from like, hey, what happens if a team does, what happens if an agent comes on your team and does join the competition? Or like, you know, we had some people join our team. We, we let 
people do three deals a year for free if it's in their personal, if it's, if it's their own deals, because we want to see our agents become investors. But we've had countless people come on the team for the only deal is the deal that they do and then they leave. And so now we have all these different things in place to basically protect us against. Tell me, against those things. Yeah. what do you, what do you have? Okay. So for, okay, I'll tell you three things um, to kind of protect us against agent disloyalty, maybe in a way, um, or just like not trying. Uh, so the first is, let's say an agent. So for us, like we let our agents do one deal a year for free or three deals a year for free. They love that. And I'm happy to do it. I want to see them invest. If, but the way we kind of structure it now is if it's your first deal that you're doing is your own deal, we're still going to get our 50% cut and we'll refund that to you on your second deal. You do that's not your own, right? And so now it's like, if they can just do one, because otherwise we're spending our time, our resources, our energy onto this person and we don't get paid a cent for it. It's not worth it. Um, was, yeah, Smart. unfortunately, fortunately we're a business and, and not a charity. Number two is um, the boot camp we value at $12,000, right? This is everything we we know about being a real estate agent. It is extremely valuable information and we cannot have somebody taking this information and then going and using it against us as a competitor. And so we have in our contract that if you decide to leave the team within the first 12 months, you have to pay us that $12,000. If you don't pay us, it accrues at 24% compounded monthly. Uh, and then that, ste that steps down. That steps down after year two, it's like 6,000, year three is 3,000. After year three, you can leave, no questions asked. Um, and so, and that's only if you leave the FI team, that's only if you leave the team uh, and join a competitor. So you can like leave the industry altogether. See ya, we won't, we won't charge you. You can leave the team, but stay on like the FI team family, which is our EXP downline. And I'm still going to support you. We're still going to put effort into you. Um, we're not going to charge you that $12,000. The only time is if you leave and join a competitor. I love it. I'm here yep. for it. Go. Yeah. Woo, woo. What's yeah. number three? Yeah. Oh, and then three, uh, three is, is a little bit of a minor thing. Uh, this one is just basically, this one's like, I don't even like collecting. I don't like collecting any of these fees because they're just means that I have to be the bad guy. The third one is if an agent after completing the boot camp, we give them six months to do their first deal. If they don't do their first deal in six months, they're going to be charged a hundred dollars a month. And that basically just this, I like do not care at all about the hundred dollars a month. But it's just something to one, cover our costs of having them on the team and two, basically force them to start doing deals or leave, right? Because we don't want people on the team that are just like, like kind of just sitting around. And so um, that's the purpose of that. And uh, yeah, th those three things have, have changed the business quite a bit and it's actually made our agent to stay accountable. I think it makes sense. Um, and I know maybe people who don't have a team and haven't suffered the pain are probably thinking like, oh, like that's up or like, oh, that's but like the amount that you've gone through to create and the amount that you pour into, it's just this whole other perspective that if you are listening and you haven't been a team leader yet and you might be questioning all of this, just live through it and look back in five years and be like, yep, I, honestly, I get it. I, I, I was the nice guy. I really was. I was given, I mean, I had very, 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 very generous splits, would let the t people go whenever they want. No, you know, like, and it, it went that way for a while, but you realize that people will like, at the end of the day, like people are, are going to care about themselves the most. Like that's, that's natural. 
and you know agents on this team are, are hungry and they want to make money and if they see a way to make more money somewhere else or they feel like you're taking too much they're going to leave even if they don't don't see the value or they don't like they could take all your stuff and leave right there a lot of people have done that and so you just have to you have to protect yourself um because again you're gonna have agents cycling through cycling through your team like a like a dang wendy's so uh <laughs> it's it's crazy uh. Okay, question about where you are now. So we have the we have the whole progression and what does the team look like now slash what does the future hold? Yeah, so um so the team um you know the team is rolling pretty good, right? So it's me, Julie, and Joel kind of on the op side. We've got our same transaction coordinator and she's amazing. And uh our our whole thing is that, you know, we we pretty much do 80% of the work for our agents, right? Like we want our agents doing five things, right? We want them lead generating, talking to clients, showing houses, writing contracts and negotiating, right? If they're not doing those five things, we're having a problem. And so our, our goal as a team is to take all of that little 80% minutia of a, being a real estate agent. And we're going to do that and systematize that for you. You do your 20% and make the most money as you can, feed your family the most you can, and um, and all that. So um, that, that's where the team is now. Um, we finally, again, this like this seems like a lot of stuff in place. Remind you, like this has been over the last three or four years. We didn't do this in a month. We did this, you know, very systematically. You chunk out a little bit each day and you get to a place. Like I feel like we're in a place now. We've got a really, really good foundation set. We can continue to add agents onto our team and with not much like not much more work on our end right it's just kind of like getting in through the onboarding process which is relatively easy and so now we can kind of just grow and scale infinitely uh and so that's kind of where we're at now just looking to add more agents on the team and uh looking to be part of an investor friendly like we're very family like it's just like your five pillars team like it's kind of like a family uh we kind of tried to create a very similar uh similar structure okay question you taught me about this and actually it changed my perspective on my days significantly when you told me about this. I don't even know if you remember, but you told me about creating my perfect day. Do you mm -hmm. remember you were like, you know, cause I was like, you know, stress and how do you figure out how to fit everything into your life? And you're like, no, 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 no. Start with thinking through what is your perfect day look like? and then mm -hmm. try to build your life around that. So I'm curious, mm -hmm. is there anything else that you want to explain? What did I miss about the perfect day? And then can you walk us through your perfect day? Yeah, so <laughs> so the perfect day exercise, it's a pretty common exercise, but it's definitely kind of changed my perspective is, especially when you get to a certain level, um, you know, you guys sometimes, like for a few years, you got to put in your dues. So if you're like early on, your perfect day doesn't really count. Like to get in and, and get down, get down and hustle. But once you've got like a, you know, a decent net worth, you got a team, something like that, then you can kind of like have your business fit to your life. And that is exactly kind of what the perfect day is. And so you just write out like, you know, you have like in a spreadsheet, the hours of the day on the left and what you do on the right. And it might be like, you know, wake up at, wake up at seven, do a miracle morning, go to the gym, eat lunch, come and join a couple meetings and then, you know, and then you're off for the day, right? Like that's probably something along my day. I, I do not live my ideal day right now. I'll be very honest. And the big reason is I've had to actually get back into production a little bit, right? Because the team was faltering, right? I mentioned that like it was early this year, the team was faltering. 
And so now I'm doing one or two deals a month with people that I like, with referrals, with like, you know, people that are like my friends. Um, because I need to like, sometimes you need to, again, take that piece of humble pie as a team leader and go back in and do a deal or two, right? Get a feel for the market. Show show your agents that you're doing what you expect them to do, right? Like I show up to our meetings early. I have my camera on. I'm very much focused, right? Like that's what I want my team to do. I'm in my database every single day. I'm doing my follow-ups. I'm doing my lead gen, right? Every single day I'm doing what I also expect my team to do and they see that and they're going to start doing it as well. Dude, you're pumping me up. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Any, what did we not cover that you want to talk about or any parting words of wisdom for those thinking about teams? I would just say like, it is, this is a, just really think hard about it because like, you know, in, it, when, when times are good and everyone's making money in real estate, like everyone seems like a genius, right? Like, being a real estate agent in, in 2020, 2021, and even like the first half of 2022 was insanely easy. And, you know, you get cocky and confident and complacent. And then your business has clear holes that you don't even notice. And and then a little bit of strife happens. And honestly, this wasn't even that bad, right? Like, and it's 2022 and it's 2023 with higher interest rates. And I mean, we're down. Transaction volumes, I think, are down to like 2011, 2010, 2011 levels. And so like things are hurting, right? And so are you, are you okay to go back into the business, right? Like, are you okay to like, just again, take that bite of humble pie and like do what you have to do. I mean, the CEO of, of EXP, right? Glenn Sanford, he was totally out of the business. He was out on his yacht and wherever he was in the Cayman Islands or whatever, like chilling. Right. But then when stuff started to hit the fan, he had to go back into the business, right? Any good CEO, any good leader is not afraid to, you know, put on his flood pants and get him up and get back into the mud if he needs to. Good. I think I think I know the answer to this, but maybe not. Are, what events are you going to this year in person? Anything? Uh, I'm going to be PCon, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a there's a real estate conference up here in Coeur d'Alene that I'm going to, and that is it. I am trying to really go to a lot less conferences. That's <laughs> that's the answer that I thought I knew. As but that's my thing. Like I want to know, you know, and I, if if people are listening to this and they're like, I'm obsessed with Craig, you know, like I am. Um, I want to be like, where is he? So I can go in person. So that was the intent of the question. So bigger pockets and the Idaho quarter lane conference. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you, yeah, I mean, also I, I'm like pretty responsive on Instagram. Like if y'all want to hit me up on Instagram, just the Phi guy and just shoot me a DM and um, I'm happy to chat to pretty much anybody as long as you're not a, a robot or pitching me on something that I don't care for. Yeah. Bots get the f out, but okay. Yeah. How can listeners, how can they help you in your business? Well, if you know, know anybody in the areas that we mentioned, Colorado, California, Idaho, Washington, and you guys are interested in becoming agents, especially kind of on the investor-friendly side of things, yeah, hit me up. We can have a conversation, see if it might be a good fit. And uh, yeah, hope to, hope to talk to all you guys at some point. Oh my gosh. Perfect. Okay. Love it. And um, you said at the FI guy. Yep. The okay. FI, like financial independence guy. Perfect. And listeners, if you want to hang out with me and the owner of the show, we are The Shelby Show and Aaron Amuchastegui on Instagram. World's hardest last name. Um, yeah. <laughs> Try we, to spell that name. 
Dude, I just, I can't, I have to spell it out. Like I have the sheet that I pull up at the end of each one of these things. That's like phonetically, what's it called? Like where it spells it out for you. Yeah, dude, it's such a struggle. (laughs) But listeners, um, Aaron and I both want to know how we can improve the show and who you want on the show. So hit us up with feedback. And just a note, if you are an experienced investor, Aaron is hosting an in-person event in Austin this September 28th, 29th. And so for more information, go to... Instagram on his bio, or you can go to investordeepdive.com. Um, it's apply only. He's only taking a few people. So that's that. And otherwise, Craig, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Shelby. It was a pleasure. Had tons of fun as always. And it's always fun hanging out with you and tell Aaron I said hi as well. Dude, I will. Cool. Real estate rock stars. Thanks for listening. See ya. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.